we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Analysis implies a division between the analyzer and the analyzed, and in that division is already the root of conflict. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of the philosopher's talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, beauty, intelligence and authority. Extracts from our archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is analysis. Upcoming themes are society, meditation and individuality. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. For more information about our activities and programmes, such as our volunteer programme at Brookwood Park in the UK, we are online at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast on analysis has three sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in Sanan, 1970, titled The Division Between the Analyzer and the Analyzed. What is the root cause of this conflict and contradiction? Please do ask this question of yourself. Don't try, if I may, try to put it into words, give it an explanation, but merely inquire, non-verbally if you can, what is this basis of this contradiction, this division, this strife, this conflict. Either you inquire analytically, or you perceive immediately the root of it. Either analytically 
you unravel bit by bit and come upon the nature and the structure, the cause, and therefore the effect of this strife between ourselves, between you and the state, between you and the community, between us and they. Either you analytically examine or you perceive the cause of it instantly. I don't know how you are going to discover the cause of it. Now we're going to examine both the analytical process and the immediate perception. Right? Are we communicating with each other? Yes, may we go on? That is, we want to find out, not only verbally, but factually, the root, the basis, the cause of all this contradiction, this conflict, this division. That's what we're going to inquire into. And either that inquiry is intellectual, which is analytical, <coughs> or perceive the truth of it instantly. Now let us find out what it means to analyze, and thereby perhaps intellectually discover, which is verbally, what is the cause of this conflict. Because once you understand this whole analytical process and see the truth of it or the falseness of it, then you will completely be free of it, forever so that your eyes, your mind and your heart can perceive immediately the truth of it. I don't know if you're, you're following all this. Uh, can I go on? We are used to or being conditioned to the analytical process. Not only in the recent uh, philosophical, psychological research of various specialists and psychologists, the analytical process has become a habit. And we are conditioned to live 
and try to understand this whole complex pro- process of living analytically, intellectually, which doesn't mean that we must become its opposite, sentimentally emotional, gushing and all the rest of it. <coughs> But if one understands very clearly the nature and the structure of the analytical process and see the validity or the falseness of it, then we shall have a quite a different outlook. Then we shall be able to give the energy that which we have given to the analysis, that same energy can be directed in a totally different direction. Right? Are we meeting each other? Can we go on? <laughs> I really don't know. All right. What does analysis mean? In that very verbal statement, analysis implies a division, right? There is the analyzer and the thing to be analyzed. Whether you analyze it yourself or it is done by a professional. In that very structure of analysis, there is division. I don't know if, huh? And therefore, there is already the beginning of conflict. Oh, wait, please, this is really, you must put your teeth into this. Because you can do, one can do tremendous things only when there is great passion. The inward revolution doesn't come about through analysis. The inward revolution demands great passion, energy. And it is only this passion that can create bring about a totally different kind of life in ourselves and in the world. And that's why it's very important to understand this analysis in which the human mind for centuries has been caught. Analysis implies a division between the analyzer and the analyzer. And in that division there is already the root of conflict. The thing that is to be analysed, which is a fragment of the many other fragments of which we are, one of those fragments assumes the authority of analysis, 
as the analyzer, right? Please, will you do this as we go along? Not just merely listen. As we are explaining, please do it. See what is involved in analysis. As we said, analysis implies division between the analyzer and the analyzed. The analyzer is one of the fragments of the many fragments which make up the whole structure of a human being. That analyzer, who is a fragment of the many fragments, assumes the authority to analyze. He becomes the sensor. He becomes the accumulated knowledge with which he evaluates the good and the bad, what is right and what is wrong, what should be suppressed or what should be not suppressed, and so on. He's, he has assumed the authority of the censor. Right? Huh? Are we in touch with each other? And the second thing is, the analyzer, when he analyzes, every analysis must be totally complete. Otherwise, his evaluation will be partial, and therefore his conclusion will also be partial. Right? Then, analyzer must examine every thought everything which is which he thinks should be analyzed and that will take time right you may spend as they do a whole lifetime analyzing if you have the money if you have the inclination if you can find an analyst who is with whom you are in love and all the rest of it you can spend your days analyzing At the end of it, you are where you were. More things to be analyzed. So, in analysis, there is the division between the analyzer and the analyzed. The analyzer must analyze so accurately. So completely. Otherwise, his conclusion will impede the next analysis. 
right? And the, the analytical process takes an infinite time. And during the interval of that time, many other things happen. So, when you see the whole structure of analysis, then you see it is an actual denial, negation of action. Huh? Analysis. The whole nature of analyzing is the negation of action. Now, when you see the whole structure of this analytical process, see what is involved in it the negation of all action, complete action. Isn't there? And analysis is the negation of action, the total action. So if you see the truth or the falseness of this whole process of analysis, hmm, you will never again analyse. Right? When the mind has seen the futility, the meaninglessness of analysis, with all its problems involved, then you will never touch it. The mind will never seek to understand through analysis. Right? That's obvious, isn't it? So what has happened to the mind that has looked into the process of analysis? It has become very sharp, hasn't it? Alive, sensitive, because it has rejected that which we have considered as the way and the means of understanding anything. I don't right. <laughs> You're not. You know what communication means. Sharing together. Investigating together. Together. Moving together. Creating together. And are we doing that? Or are you merely uh, listening, hearing a few set of words or conclusions and say, agreeing or disagree? What is it what you are doing? If you very clearly see for yourself, 
not directed, not forced or compelled by argument, reason of another, but actually <coughs> see for yourself the falseness of the truth of analysis, then your mind is free to look in another direction, right? You have energy to look in somewhere else. But if you are looking in, in the direction of analysis, you will not be able to look in another direction. Is that clear? So what is the other direction? That is to perceive immediately. And therefore, the immediacy of perception is total action. <laughs> now we're going to examine that. We're going to go into that. As we said, analyzer and the thing analyzed, in that there is division, right? And we said that any form of division <coughs> at any level brings about a contradiction and therefore conflict. When I separate myself as a Hindu and you separate yourself as a Catholic or a Buddhist or communist, uh, whatever it is, this very division breeds conflict. Right? So, the division between the observer and the thing observed is the root cause of conflict. Right? No, sir, come on, let's go into it. When you observe, you're always observing from a center, from a background, from experience, from knowledge. The me observing, the me, the Catholic, the Protestant, the Hindu, the communist, <coughs> the educated, the specialist, and so on. He is observing. So there is a division <coughs> between himself and the thing observed. Right? You can see this, it doesn't require a great deal of understanding, it's an obvious fact. When you look at a tree, you, there is this division. When you look at your husband, wife, your girlfriend, boy, there is this division. There is this division between yourself and the community, between yourself and the society. So there is this observer and the thing observed. When there is that division, there will inevitably be conflict. 
Right? That is the root of all conflict, of all strife, of all contradiction. Right? Now, can you observe without division? If that is the root cause of conflict, then the next question is, can you observe without the censor, without the me, without all the experiences, the miseries, the conflicts, the brutalities, the vanities, the pride, the despair, which is the you, can you observe without all that? You are following all this? Which means, can you observe without the past? The past memories, remembrances, conclusions, hopes, all the background. Can you observe without that background? Because that background divides, right? As the observer and the observed. So the question then is can you observe? without the background. Have you ever done it? Do it now, please. Play with it. To look at the tree, the mountain, <coughs> outwardly. Objective, the outward things, the colours, listen to the noise of the river, <coughs> look at the lines of the mountains, the beauty of it, the clarity of it. That is fairly easy to do without the past without the me observing. But can you look at yourself inwardly without the observer? Do it, please. Look at yourself, your conditioning, your education, your way of thinking, <coughs> your conclusions, <coughs> your prejudices, to look at it or to look at them without any kind of condemnation or explanation or justification, just to observe. When you so observe, there is no observer and therefore no conflict. That way of living is entirely at 
totally different from the other. It is not the opposite of the other. It's not the reaction of the other, but entirely different. And in that, in this, there is tremendous freedom. Therefore, there is an abundance of energy and passion. And this this total observation, which is not partial, is complete action. You know, it's like looking at them at a map. The total map, not where you want to go, but first observing the total movement of the map. And when you have completely understood the map, looked at it completely, then your action will always be clear. So one finds out for oneself, as a human being, that it is completely possible to live without any kind of conflict. You know, sir, this implies enormous revolution in oneself. And that's the only revolution. Every form of physical revolution, political, economic, social, outward revolution, will always ends up in dictatorship. Either the dictatorship of the bureaucrats or the dictatorships of the idealists, the utopia people, or some conqueror. Whereas when you have this inward, complete, total revolution, which is the outcome of understanding all conflict, which is the understanding of division between the observer and the observed, then there is a totally different kind of living. The second extract is from the fifth talk in Sanin, 1970, titled Can Analysis End Fear? So first, we are asking whether thought, with all its activities, which breeds fear and sustains fear, conscious or unconscious, whether 
that can come naturally to an end without effort. Right? There are conscious fears as well as unconscious fears of which you are not aware. The fears of which, of which one is not aware play much greater part in one's life than the fears that you are aware of. Now, how are you going to uncover the unconscious fears? You are following? How are you going to expose them to the light of whatever it is? How? By analysis? Who is then to analyse? You are following all this? If you say, through analysis, I will expose them. We have gone into the question of analysis the other day, but we will briefly go into it now. If you say, I will analyse my fears, who is the analyzer? Part of the fragment of fear. Therefore, his analysis of his own fears have no value at all. Right? I don't know if you see this. Or if you go to an analyst to have your fears analyzed, hmm? The analyst is also, like you, conditioned by the specialist, by Freud, Jung, and Adler, X, Y, Z. Hmm? He analyzes according to his conditioning. Right? Therefore, it doesn't help you to be free of fear. As we said, all analysis is a negation of action. Been through that, I won't go into all that. So, how are you going to uncover the unconscious fears? Knowing analysis is no value, right? You're rather uncertain about it. I can't go into it now, it's too, too, I've explained it before. If you say, I will look into my dreams, I will examine my dreams, again the same problem arises. Who is the entity who is going to examine the dreams? one of the fragments of the many fragments. Right? So you ask a question quite differently, which is, why do you dream at all? Dreams are merely the continuation of your daily activity. I do not know if you have not noticed in your dreams, there is always action going on, some kind or another. 
jumping over the cliff or hitting somebody or a dozen forms of <coughs> daily activity repeated while you are asleep. Now, can that activity be understood and come to an end? That is, can the mind during the daytime be so alertly watching all its motivations, all its urges, all its complexity, its prides, its ambitions, you know, the things that are going on during the day, the frustrations? The demand to fulfill, the de- urge to be somebody, uh, the wanting to, you know. The movement of thought during the day can those be watched without the observer? You're following all this? Because if, you, if there is the observer who is watching, the observer then is part of thought which has separated itself from the rest of the thoughts and has assumed the authority to observe. So can you observe during the day the whole movement of your activities, thoughts, feelings, without interpretation, watching? Then you will say, dreams have very little meaning. They are hardly ever dream. Therefore, during the daytime, if you are awake, not half asleep, if you are not caught by your beliefs, by your prejudices, by your absurd little vanities and pride and your petty little knowledge, but merely observe the whole movement of your conscious mind and unconscious mind in action during the day, you will see there will not only be the end to dreams, but also thought begins to subside. Seeking or sustaining or avoiding pleasure, avoiding fear, right? I wonder if you have caught all this. The final extract is from Krishnamurti's fifth talk in Madras, 1978, titled Analysis is Paralysis. Now, let's begin differently. Don't you want to know about yourself? If you don't know about yourself, actually what you are, you have no basis for any action which is be true, not fragmentary, not miserable, regretting and so on. Don't you want to know what you are? No? To know yourself. Now, how do you begin to find out about yourself? You can only know yourself either through observation, 
in relationship or through analysis, right? Are you following this? Oh, come on. Huh? I can know myself. I'll talk about myself. I can know myself watching my relationship with others, with my wife, if I'm married, or with my girlfriend, or with friends. I, in that observation, I see myself reacting as a Hindu, as a Buddhist, as a Christian, as a non-Christian, or imagining that I love people. You know, I find out. Or through analysis, right? Analyzing myself. Now, to me, analysis is paralysis. And the Hindus are pretty good at it. And therefore, they're totally paralyzed. Because they don't act. They analyze, analyze, analyze. But therefore, gradually, this analysis leads them to paralysis. You watch them as you walk down the street. So either you analyze or you observe in relationship. Observe yourself, what you are, how you think, how you react, what are your responses, uh, what, what is the center from which you are moving, always. A fixed point and from there move. Therefore, the movement is very limited. So go and find out. In the process of analysis, who is the analyzer? You understand my question? The analyzer thinks he is different from that which he is analyzing. But is that so? The therapeutic analysis by a professional, you understand what I am talking about? Do you? All right. Probably they never questioned this. Who is the analyzer? Is the analyzer different from the analyzed? You understand? Am I different from my anger, from my greed, from my anxiety, from my ugliness, brutality, cruelty, hate? Am I different from that? If that is different from me, then I can analyze it. Right? And each analysis, if I am good at it, each analysis must be complete. Otherwise, I rem- the remembrance of that analysis is going to interfere with the next analysis. Are you telling all this all Greek to you? I'll go on, doesn't matter. I'm afraid you are used to listening, not investigating. So, is the analyzer different from the analyzed? 
They are both the same. The analyzer is the analyzed. Need I go into that? When you go through the process of introspection, analysis and all that, what is happening when you analyze? You are taking time, aren't you? Hmm? Time. You investigate in the morning and go off to your job and come back and again investigate yourself, or you you investigate very, very, very carefully, slowly, minutely. All that implies time. And who is the analyzer? Is he something different from that which he is analyzing? Is anger different from you? Huh? Is jealousy different from you? Your cruelty, your hate different from you? Or you are that. You understand? You have divided this thing. You are different from that. Therefore, you think you can analyze that. But when you observe very closely, you will find that you are anger. At the moment of jealousy, anxiety, you are that. Only a second later you say, I have been angry, which is the movement of thought dividing anger from you. Oh, come on! Right? So, the analyzer is the analyzer. And uh, if you realize that, you will drop totally, completely all analysis. But when you talk to psychotherapists, they won't drop it because they've got Cadillacs, cars, all the rest of it. Their life depends on it. And probably it's the same with you, because you are so conditioned that you refuse to see this simple fact. If you drop completely analysis, then how will you investigate the Self? You understand my question? You are following all this? How am I to investigate, look, observe, understand this very, very complex thing called me, if I don't analyze? Because I see it stupid to analyze. It will lead nowhere. Therefore, I reject it completely, entirely. Are you in that position? Or you have got one foot there and <laughs> You understand my question? So, I can only find out about myself by observing my reactions in my relationship. So, relationship becomes tremendously important. Right? 
because it's going to reveal my, to me what I am. Whether I think I am divine or there is some part of me that is divine, I'm going to discover it in relationship. If there is some part of me which is divine, then that part must act. And it will not so we have invented a very clever thing, which is I am there is something very divine, but it's all clouded over. So I have to peel off like an onion, and then I'll find myself. Self-realization, I don't know what that means. They use that great deal in this country. And I'm sure they don't know what it means either. So what I realize I can only understand myself in relationship. Therefore I observe. Do I observe? Please listen. Do I observe with the memory of previous observation? You understand my question? I've observed myself in my relationship yesterday with my wife, with my friend, with my boss, and I remember that. Then with that remembrance, observe myself next day. You understand? So what is happening? I'm not observing myself at all. I'm observing the memory is operating, remembrance is operating. Therefore, there is never penetration into the very structure and nature of the Self. You understand what? Are, you, are we getting together somehow, in spite of the words, in spite of your intellectual blah? So, is it possible to observe myself each moment as though it was fresh, not having remembered my observation and let that remembrance operate. You see the difference? To let the remembrance operate or observe from moment to moment as fresh each (coughs) response. See what it does to you. Then that response becomes extraordinarily important. Because it's fresh. But the moment you name it, it has already become the old. So you have to have an alertness to watch that you do not name it that it is not an operation of remembrance. Therefore you are observing with a clarity that is penetrating, that has an insight. Right? So which is it you are doing? Actually now, please, I'm asking you, this is very important for you to find out, learn, not memorize, Learn from listening, find out. Gosh, I've got so much to talk about yet. What is it that you are doing? 
If you are analyzing, then you are going to end up being paralyzed completely and become neurotic if you are not already. Then, if analysis is completely out, because you see the futility of it, not because I tell you, but you yourself have an insight into the whole <coughs> structure of analysis, therefore you can drop it. Then, <coughs> to observe yourself in relationship, to observe without the gathered knowledge of previous, exp- previous observation, if you do that, then you are you're merely repetitive, right? Therefore you are not learning, watching yourself in operation. And if you can not name that reaction – now, look, put it round the other way a little bit. May I go on? I will go on. Have you observed anything – your wife, your girlfriend, or the tree, or the movement of water – with all your senses? With totality of your senses – your smell, your hearing, your taste – all your senses heightened and observing. Have you ever done that? Oh my Lord, what a generation! If you have done it, there is no centre from which you are looking. You understand? Because then thought is part of that observation. Then your senses are part of that observation. Therefore the thought is not separate from the senses. Therefore there is no division as the me, the observer, and the thing, you, the observed. How are you getting I won't even ask you hereafter. So, the nature, the inmost nature of the Self, when you have gone through all the layers of the Self, the essence, is nothing. Right? You are nothing. Right? On that nothingness, thought has imposed. the superstructure of consciousness. Consciousness being the content. Without the content there is no consciousness. The content being you are a Hindu, Buddhist, your religion, your particular God, your puja, your anxiety, your sorrow, your pain, your hate, your love, all that is a content of your consciousness, obviously. And the idea that there is you are the super Atman or super 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 consciousness is part of that content. You understand what what thought has done? That on 
absolutely nothing. 